0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I love you, and I couldn't wait to get back here to be with you. Hard to believe it's been a whole year. And when I get finished, at the end of 2019, I will have been, Lord willing, in 48 churches and two foreign trips and so it's been a busy year for me. and I was so happy when I got the invitation to come back here. I felt like we connected. Jesus filled six with the Holy Ghost. three were baptized last year, eight the year before. This is my third time to get to come back. And I'm so thankful I sought God. I, I asked God what He wanted for this family weekend and What the Lord spoke to me is what I have brought with me sitting up here on this table. I will be using this the entire weekend. And this is the oldest uh, set of messages that God gave me when I started 28 years ago. This is the very first. And so God's having me pull some things out of the archives. And this is one of them. I feel like the family is in trouble. We're watching people that we never dreamed would fall away. Sin being revealed, falling away from God, troubling, troubling things going on. If we ever had a time where we need to come to church more, it's now. I'm so happy you came on a Friday night. A lot of pastors will not even have a meeting on a Friday night anymore because people will not show up. But the Bible says when we see that Jesus is coming, we should be assembling all that much more. Amen? And so I commend you that you are here tonight. And I'm not going to take a long, lengthy time, but I'm going to give you what God wanted me to give you tonight. Is that okay? All year long, every time I get in the pulpit, the same thought comes to my mind. It comes from the Lord. He spoke this to me in prayer He said, there will be a time very soon that my people will assemble for service and it will be the last. It will be the last message they ever hear. It'll be the last altar call, the last opportunity. And the Lord said, I don't want you to be weary in what you're doing because every time you get in the pulpit, it may be The last opportunity for someone. How would we behave tonight if we knew he was coming at midnight? How would we have worshipped? How would we engage in this service? So I'm going to give you my very best tonight before the Lord. As if he were coming at midnight. Is that okay? Would you stand to your feet and turn to the book of Acts? Thank you, Pastor Cordell, for inviting me back. I love you and your family. I love this church. And tonight, as I minister, my pastor, Roy Grant, knows that I'm here. And I'm under your covering. I submit myself to you. Acts chapter 2 and 38, my favorite portion. Why? Because you can't get to heaven without it. This is the plan of salvation. If you don't know anything else in the word, you need to know this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Drawing your attention to verse 40. Save yourselves from this evil generation. We talk about God saving us. He is our savior. He went to the cross to save our souls. However, he can't save anyone that doesn't want to be saved. And we aren't saved yet. We use that loosely. I've been saved and I know that I am, but not really. We're not saved yet. You've been bought, but you're not saved. I'm not saved until we cross over on the other shore. That's when we're saved. Right now, we're still in a process of saving ourselves. I'd like to add, saving your families, saving your children. Amen? That's what this weekend is about, saving yourselves. Tonight, for your hearing, this simple little message. Get in the boat and stay in the boat. You may be seated. Because I have ministered this message for so many years, one of my daughters and I have a little joke That when I end up in the nursing home, I'll be sitting in my rocker in my room, rocking back and forth saying, get in the boat, stay in the boat, get in the (laughs) boat. She said the nurses will be asking, why does your mom talk about a boat all day long? (laughs) Hallelujah. Because 28 years ago, the Lord spoke to me, this title, this message. I was starting out on the evangelistic field and I... Spoke to a pastor friend and I shared, I was sharing my message and my idea that God had given me. And I saw in a, a dream this table just like you see it, sitting up like this. And I was trying to share with him, I'm not creative at all in this way. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I guess I'll go to the Walmart and get a, a blow up, you know, a little blow up boat or something. And, and I'm try, I was trying to envision how I would make this happen because I'm big on object lessons. And a few days after I went home from his church, he called and he said, Sister Vicki, I have purchased you a boat. All you have to do is come and get it. He said, we have a Navy base here here in Millington, Tennessee, and the base is closing and the surplus store is selling everything. And so they had one boat left and I bought it for you. So I made the the trek there one afternoon. It was a A hot day in Memphis, Tennessee. I was living in Memphis at the time, and I made that, that trip there, and I had all the seats out in the back of my van because I was going to pick up some things afterwards. And, and I picked up this little boat and, and tried to pay him. And Oh, no, no, no. Uh, and, you know, I spoke with him just recently. He knows that 28 years later I'm still using this little boat. But as I was driving along in the heat and going to get groceries, my mind was thinking about this message. And, and I thought, I didn't even ask how you blow it up. How's it, you know, what, what am I going to, do I need to buy a pump? What, what do I, didn't even look at the valve. I don't know what it does. And, and my mind was just racing. I went in and got my groceries and the things I was picking up. And when I came out, I opened the back hatch of my van and I found out how it blows up. The hot sun will blow it up instantly. It was that kind of boat that, when the ship out at sea is sinking and they throw it over the side, the hot sun will instantly blow it up. It also had a little canister that they did not give me, that will blow it up instantly if it's not sunny and hot. Interesting, huh? And so I had to figure out how, and obviously I have. It only takes 867 pumps with a hand pump. That's how I keep these. These don't mess with me. (laughs) And this little boat is a lifeboat. It's a lifeboat. That's what they call them. And this is a one-man life raft. And this is the very boat that is on the aircraft and on the ships at sea. One of the very boats that when that ship is sinking, they take this boat, throw it over the side and get in that boat and get away from the burning wreckage in order to be saved. My boat. Is the new lifeboat. Because when you give your heart to Jesus. You get a brand new life friend. You get to start all over again. So the new lifeboat is appropriate. And when that ship is out at sea. You see the, the sailors. The soldiers that are on the boat. They know that they signed some paperwork. When they joined the military. The papers say simply. I belong to the military. They own me. They'll pay pay me a paycheck. They'll give me a place to live. They'll always know where I am at all times. They own me. And so that soldier knows when he's out in that ship and it is sinking, it's on fire, it's going down. I've got to get in the lifeboat. I've got to be rescued. It would be a very silly thing if he would stand on the side of that boat and say, y'all go on, I really don't want to be rescued. I want to go down with a ship. However, there were people that will come and sit in these chairs week after week, and they say the very same thing. I don't care if I'm rescued. I just want to come to church and do my little duty, and it soothes my conscience, and, and you, y'all go ahead with all of that. But I'm not getting in the boat. The Bible says, save yourselves you got to make up your mind. You're in the boat. The boat is the church, my friend. you got to make up your mind. I'm going to make sure I'm in and I'm going to stay in. And I'm going to get my family in. And I'm going to do everything it takes. I'm going to pray hard. I'm going to be at every prayer meeting. I'm going to dedicate myself to a life of living for God. Serving Him with all my being. Putting Him first in my life. I've got to be saved. see that soldier knows I got to get in there and I've got to paddle as far away from the wreckage as I can because you can't stay close to the world and be saved you've got to make up your mind I'm not going to do what the world does I'm not going to watch what they watch. I'm not going where they go. I'm not talking like they talk. Separation is still part of salvation. It is not an option. We need to teach our children to live a separated life. I'm so thankful growing up that I had a mother that instructed me and when I said I don't feel like I fit in I I, I have people at, at school that like me and they're nice to me but I don't fit in. I feel lonely and separated. I know a lot of my growing up years I, I would just cry and say I don't, I don't fit in anywhere. I don't belong anywhere but I had a mother that spoke into my life and said you're not not supposed to, because you're called by God to do a great work. And this is just a journey down here. We don't live here. We live somewhere else. We're on a pilgrim journey. You're not supposed to fit in and be popular. You let your kids take a place in the world and be involved in a lot of worldly connections. The next thing you know, the world will make a place for them and they'll go on out and do their thing in the world. But the church needs to make a place for our children, start them at a young age, working. For God, doing things for God. When I was a little girl, my dad was, once he got in church at, when I was nine, I've told you that story before. I, I was nine years old and Brother Billy Cole prayed me through the Holy Ghost. And then three months later, my daddy came in. And, and after that, dad said, What can I do to help the church? Just give me something to do. I just want to work for God. And so he started a bus ministry team. We Had before it was over six 66 passenger international buses. We had a gas pump on our church property. My dad worked the routes, he got the people to drive, he had a passion for it. And when Sunday morning rolled around, in Columbus, Ohio, and it was cold and snow all over the ground and, and sometimes below zero. Dad drug a little 10-year-old girl out of bed and said, come on, baby, we're going to go do our our ministry. And he would take me and I'd stand on a chair and make the coffee. While he... Uh, started all the buses and defrosted the windshields. And then he'd give me a little broom and say, now you sweep out all these buses. You, you sweep the, the floors and pick up the papers. And, and I never said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like to work because he made it look like it was so fun and so wonderful to work for God. Your children watch you. They hear you. Oh, why did pastor ask me to do that? Well, I don't have an extra night during the week to show up for that. Why does pastor expect that of me? Your children have ears. And I would make that coffee and I'd sweep out those buses. And then when they lined up, there in there to get their coffee. And dad would bring donuts and, and eat a little bite. And then we'd get in a big circle. And dad didn't say, she's just a little girl. He'd say, come on, get in the, get in the circle. And we'd all hold hands. And we'd pray that all the children will be ready when we got to their houses. And, and dad drove one of the buses. And I sat on that bus. And it was funny, it's the funniest thing to me now. And have one of those microphones, you know, on a spiral thing. That, you know, the bus driver could say, sit down in the back. Well, dad, who would hand that thing over, over his shoulder, and that thing would dangle, and I played the guitar, I only knew three chords, I'd play the guitar and sing in that microphone with it going up. <laughs> Sunday school songs when the kids got on the bus. And then my dad'd say, that's a, that's a new little girl back there, go back and sit with her. Go back and sit. That's why I've never met a stranger today. Some of you, I, I hug you and you don't want me to, because <laughs> I've never met it. That was put in me, a love for souls. If somebody's sitting alone, go find them. If somebody doesn't come to the altar, go ask them. If somebody doesn't have anybody to be with, don't sit with your normal people. This is what what family does. Start teaching your children. Get your children involved in ministry. You have a ministry, then bring them with you. Let them do it with you. This is a family thing. This isn't leave the kids at home and we come do this. This is a family thing. We're gonna save ourselves from this evil generation. We don't fit in with this world. We are separated from this world. We love the sinner. But we hate the sin. We better start hating it. No compromise. No compromise. A youth leader told me last week she got into a predicament because a little girl came to church. And she was very adamant about when the, te- when the youth leader said, line up young men over here, young ladies, boys over here, girls over here. She said, you're not supposed to say that. She said, you're supposed to call them them. Them. You're you're not allowed to define boys and girls. She challenged her in front of the whole youth group. Hey, this is where we're living. You don't want me to talk about it? Your kids need me to talk about it. And she said, I don't think I handled it very well. I was so taken back. And I said, you know what you do? You put a big smile on your face and you say, honey, we're so glad you're here. But you know what? While you're here, we have boys and girls. So pick a line because here, this is what we do, darling. We don't need to back up and water it down and be afraid and compromise and and cause our children just to blend in. We need a strong voice in the house, a strong voice in your home that says, baby, that's not right. I want these children to hear me and they need to hear you. If you're born a little girl and they put a pink blanket on you, you'll grow up and be a lady. You'll never be anything else. You're born a little boy. You'll always be a little boy. Till you grow up to be a man. That doesn't change. That's in scripture. This is strengthening families this weekend. Don't get mad at me. We've got to have it. Our children need to hear it. They're being bombarded with this stuff at school. How are we going to save ourselves from this evil generation? We're going to get in the boat, the church. And we're going to make up our minds. We're going to stay in. It's so easy to get in. The Lord made it easy. He didn't want anyone to say, that's too hard. I'm not smart enough. Or I'm not old enough. Or I'm too old. He didn't, he didn't want that. I'm not, I'm not rich enough. I'm not good looking enough. No, no excuses. He made it so simple that anybody can. Because all you have to do is bring your heart to Jesus. You know, you're not going to heaven just because you come to church. A lot of children think, if my mom and dad bring me to church, I'm going to heaven. You're not going to church or not going to heaven because you're at church. You're not going because you're good. Well, if I be very, very good, good people will go to heaven. No, good will not get you in heaven. There's none good but God. Nope, we have to be saved. And we all have to be saved the same way. Because it wouldn't be fair, and Jesus is always fair, if Jesus said, you have to do that that way, but you can get by with a little less. No, no, no. We all have to bring our heart to Jesus. There has to come a time where you pray yourself with your own mouth. That's how you save yourself. It's not enough to just come and cry. It's not enough for somebody to lay their hand on you and pray for you. You have to use your mouth. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he will forgive you for your sins. So you have to say with your mouth, Lord, I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. I know I've done wrong. I know I'm a sinner. I know my heart is dirty. However you want to word it, but you have to say it. And not only say it, but mean it. You know, sometimes when we get in trouble, and I was a kid, first thing I did was cry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please, please don't punish me. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I wasn't really sorry. I was sorry I got caught. A lot of people come running to this altar week after week and we pray it off. We cry it off. Well, I'll just repent and the Lord will forgive me and go right back and do the same thing over and over again. That's called willful sin. That leads you down a road to a reprobate mind. That's what the end of that road is, where you don't feel God anymore, you don't have a conscience, and you're turned over. That's scripture. That's scary. But to have a conscience, when you do something wrong, to feel pricked in your heart, to know. My mom used to say, you'll be checked. You'll have a little check, like when the teacher checks with that red pen, and you go, "Ah, I missed that one. A check. Jesus checks you in your heart, and you know you've done wrong. When you really repent, you're very sorry. Your tears are not because you got caught. Your tears are because you realize he died on the cross for you and how much he loves you and that you don't want to be lost because you're either going up with Jesus when he comes or you're going down with the devil and burn forever. We stop preaching about hell. Hell's a bad word if you tell somebody to go there. It's not a bad word when you're talking about the Bible. It's in the Bible. There's no choice but heaven or hell. That's why the Bible says, save yourself. You're old enough to come to an altar and kneel down or lift your hands and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And the minute you do, you give him permission. He's a perfect gentleman. He won't go in there until you invite him. But the moment you do, you'll be so relieved Because you'll feel him instantly when you start confessing. When you start saying, I'm sorry, Jesus, the tears start rolling. Don't let your tears dry up. Adults, your children need to see you weep when you pray. There was a time that you wept. Some of us just get so mature in the Lord, we stop weeping get in a place alone in prayer until it's stirred up in you again and the tears roll down your cheeks big the biggest strongest men i know weep before the lord that is not a sissy thing our boys need to know it's all right to weep for god to feel him so deeply and to love him so much that the tears roll save yourselves the minute you allow him in your heart, you realize he's not like everybody else. You know, you and I are real hard on each other. If I let you see in my heart, you let me look in yours. You mean you did all that? You better cry some more. We're hard on each other. Not Jesus. He doesn't even look in there. I was ministering one night about 28 years ago and I was saying, and Jesus looks in there and the Lord spoke to me. Right there in the service. And I said, wait a minute. No, he doesn't. That's, that's incorrect. He doesn't look in there. He already knew what you were doing wrong when you were doing it. He doesn't look in there. Another thing, even if you never did another thing wrong your whole life, you're born with a heart that looks like this. The Bible says we're born with sin, in sin, and shapen in iniquity. That means our heart's already like this when we're born, when you're a little tiny baby, before you ever say, Wow! Your heart looks like this. You know why? Because he started us all out the same way. He didn't want somebody to say, well, when I was born, my heart wasn't dirty. I just got it a little dirty. Oh, no, we all start out on the same page. Your heart looks like this. You won't go to heaven with a dirty heart. Jesus is coming back. And you won't go with sin in your life. We have to live a repentant life. Not just one time when we're first getting in the boat, but our whole life, every day, checking ourselves. And you know that thing we used to always say, at least I know I did, Lord, if I have done anything wrong this day, please forgive me. If there's something I forgot about, God, that's kind of bogus, really. Just kind of covered all, God. I know I was a jerk all day, but you know, just... Forgive, forgive me for all of it, God. And all the stuff I forgot I did. And God's going, um, that's not a confession. When's the last time that you got on your knees somewhere and said, God, I'm sorry that I lost my temper today with my wife. And I said terrible, ugly things. And I'm going to make it right. I'm sorry, God, that I screamed at my children. I'm sorry, Lord, that I lost it at work and did not act like a Christian. Confessing exactly what you did is powerful. You want to get in the boat, you want to be saved. This is the way to save yourself all of us need to take the details before him and make a confession this is what I did I'm weak in this area God this is where I messed up I don't want to do it anymore what happens when you take the cover off of it you shine the light on it the next time you're going to be even stronger until that thing finally is no longer a temptation but you got to confess it and get it out in the open we still covering it when we say, well, you know, that thing, Lord. Confess it. When I was praying the first time at nine years old, and I realized I wasn't going to heaven because mom and dad were going, and I was weeping, I remember so clearly that I had sinned. That week, something came back to me. My mom let me sit in the middle of her bed and play dolls, Barbie dolls, with my friend, Vivian. Her bed was big, and it was beautiful, and we liked to take our dolls and just sit in the middle of her bed. Her bedroom was very pretty, and and so she said, sure you can, but don't get off that bed and get in my dresser drawers. You stay right in the middle of that bed and play. So the minute she got out of the room and started up the hallway, I said, let's look in my mom's dresser drawers. Because there was one specific thing I want to show her. My mom had handkerchiefs that she had crocheted lace all around and they were all in different colors. And they were so fun to use for Barbie doll dresses. And I'd sneak them. And I was showing my friend all the pretty colors and I heard my mom coming. And I put him in the drawer and slammed the drawer and ran and took a dive for the middle of the bed. And mom came in and said, were you off of that bed? No, ma'am. I was not. She said, that's funny. There's some lace hanging out of that drawer over there. Be sure your sin will find you out. Well, it wasn't me. I don't know how that got out of there. You always have to tell another lie to cover up the first one. That's why you don't start that lying business. She let it go. She did. But when I was standing in that altar before God the very first time, I was crying buckets of tears, and that came back to me. And I'm so glad I learned right then and there to say Jesus, I'm sorry, I lied to my mom. I'll go back and make it right. I'll tell her I'm sorry. I don't want to go to hell. Please forgive me. My first repentance. And you know what? In a little childlike way, it was good enough. Just saying what you feel with one sweep of his hand. He cleaned all of that out. Sorry about the mess. But sin makes a mess. When it's finished, it brings forth death. Death of a marriage, death of relationships, death of reputation, death of a job, eternal death, sometimes physical death. It's very serious. And once you have repented of your sins, that is there. And it's there until you go down in the water in Jesus' name. You must be born of water and of spirit. And once you go down in the water, that disappears. That mess is gone. Never to be remembered again. You know, you can't help somebody else until you've forgiven yourself. I talk to more people in counseling calls that can't forgive themselves than anything else. Some of them living for God for years with anxiety and depression on mind-altering drugs simply because they never got in an altar and said, I forgive myself. Release me from it, God, for the things that I have done. And never really accepted that he doesn't remember we remember he doesn't. He chose to forget. Once you put something under the blood, he forgets about it. You mention it again, and he's going, What are you talking about? He chose to forget. Isn't that beautiful? You can't live a fulfilled life, and you can't help your children get in the boat until you get this stuff straight. Save yourselves. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall receive the gift. The gift of a brand new heart. The Bible says he takes away our old stony heart and gives us a brand new heart. I've seen literally thousands and thousands of people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In five foreign countries, most of them many, many times over, Australia, New Zealand, Paris, Africa, several times, Guam, ponape Saipan, Koshai, all over the world. I've watched them receive their gift. And every single time when Jesus gave them that brand new heart, that is him living inside of us. And every single time he filled them all the way up to here and he didn't stop. He kept filling and filling until it got right here. And every single time they spoke words in another language. That's how you know you received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't just choose to give that to some. Everybody that receives the Holy Ghost receives that evidence. That's how you know he's in there you speak words in another language. You can't do it wrong. And you'll do it according to your personality. I've seen a lot of people that were very quiet, that didn't want people around them, didn't want people touching them, and took them to the end of the altar quietly. And they received it quietly, but they spoke in tongues. Quietly. I'd have to lean my ear down to hear them. And guess what? Now they talk out loud real big. Some of them, it's all they needed to come out of that intimidation and fear. Everybody thought they were shy. But when they got the Holy Ghost, they came out of that. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about saving yourselves. Getting in the boat. Because you're going to be rescued. But you've got to be in the boat. I stood on the front Front step in Uganda, Africa. There were 1,500 orphans that filled that room. They were wall to wall, no shoes on their feet, their heads shaved because of the sores, the parasites. All of them, almost with malaria, most with AIDS, dying. I saw things that I will never forget. What kind of message do you give 1,500 little orphans that get one little handful of mash like wet rice to eat out of their hand one time a day? When I gave them the message and I used my little heart and I talked about a place, I talked about being rescued, rescued from right where they were living and a place where they would not be sick. They would not see death. They would no longer hurt. They would have eternal life and joy and happiness. That's all it took. You don't have to beg those kind of people to come to the altar. There was no altar call. There was no place for them to come. They had the nationals, the people there that interpreted walking among them and up and down the rows ready when I gave the word of faith, I spoke the word of faith and the Holy Ghost fell. Nothing could have prepared me for the sound of 1,500 orphans praying and all at once speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, weeping and weeping. I stood on that step and looked out as the nationals were pointing and they were weeping and shaking their heads because they were listening. And all of these children at once and their feet pounding, the ground just pounding, pounding, pounding all at once sound like thunder. Speaking with tongues. You think this isn't real? It's real. There's one shred of doubt in your mind. And I saw one little girl, six years old. The tears... Rolling off her cheeks just, just torrentially, her little hands up, her head back, and her mouth moving. And I couldn't get close to hardly any of them, it was just so packed. But I, I took one step down and I, I, I knelt down and I just listened. I just, I just wanted to hear her pray. And she said, I love you, my Savior. You are my king. Thank you for your spirit. I love you, my Savior. I grabbed the interpreter that was standing beside me. I said, come here, come here. I said, well, she knows English. Listen, listen to her. He leaned down and he bent over double and began to weep and sob. And when he composed himself, he looked up at me and he said, she doesn't know a word of English. That was her tongues. (laughs) Jesus filled her with the Holy Ghost. She spoke English. I felt like God gave me such a gift that day that I'll never forget. No matter where you are in the world, you must be saved. And you must be saved the same way you must be born again. Got to get in the boat. Jesus is coming you come to the keyboard for me please just come alone for a minute give these people hope you got to save yourself you got to save your family you got to make up your mind church is my life living for God is my life everything else we do we just have to make a living and we have to pay bills we have to eat and we have to do all that stuff but that's not what we're here for this is our life You teach your children that. Their calling they have on their life at a young age. Grandparents play a huge part in that. Speaking into the lives of your grandchildren. I have named for my grandchildren over and over, spoke faith into their lives. This is what you're gonna do for God. You're gonna you're gonna preach the gospel, you're gonna teach, you're gonna be a soul winner. You're gonna sing for Jesus. You're gonna lead a big choir. Speak into their lives. They're vital to the church. And make sure they're in the boat because that soldier knows I'm out here in the middle of this big gulf, this big ocean. There's no land in sight anywhere. I've been out in the middle of the Gulf many times where I couldn't see land in sight off the coast of Key West, Florida. Almost to Cuba. Look around and it's ocean as far as you can see. Sometimes being in the church feels kind of lonely. Really does. You're at work, feels lonely. You're at school, feels lonely. But we don't retreat inside ourselves. We remember who we are. And we remember that even if people act like they don't like what we have, they're really longing for it. They need an answer. This world wants answers. That soldier knows. I signed my life over. And with that contract, when I joined the military they made me a promise we'll take care of you we'll always know where you are you don't have to worry see when I got that little boat there was a little place underneath it it's empty now but it had a tracking device in it I'm glad they took it out (laughs) that would be kind of weird Had a tracking device. Why? Because they promised that soldier. We'll know where you are. That lifeboat gets thrown out into the ocean. That tracking device activates. That soldier knows. I may be in shark infested waters. And it may look really bad. And I don't have any more food or, or water. But they're on their way. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You sign your life over to Him and you say, I'm gonna serve the Lord. No matter what anybody else does, I'm gonna serve the Lord. He's going to put a tracking device on you. He'll take care of you when it looks the worst. With a broken heart, you've been betrayed, when you're lonely when you get a bad diagnosis when the money's all gone no matter what it is I pretty much lived all of that I have found if I will just stay in I might see the fins swarming around the boat <laughs> but I'm never alone never never And in a little bit, long before he can see it, he hears a rumbling in the sky. And he knows, oh, I'm so glad I got in the boat. Because that helicopter breaks through the clouds. Sends down a rope and a harness. He straps that around himself and they carry him away safety. Church, can you hear the rumbling in the sky? We don't see him yet. But he's coming. If you can't hear it, wake up. It's not time to fit in with the world. To live one way at church and another way out in, in the world. It's not time to fail God. It's not time to let your addictions take over. It's time to get a hold of yourself and save yourself. Save the people around you. Do whatever it takes to get your home fixed. Moms and dads, pull together. Talk about it. Talk about it after church tonight, about the the stuff you're going to eliminate, that you're going to get rid of some of the Netflix and the Hulu and the Prime and, and all the things that take so much time. you're going to be careful about what your kids are are watching, what games they're playing. You're going to take the internet out of the bedroom. Take the phones away at night. Put them on the charger. Maybe you already do all of that. But I feel compelled to tell you, we've got to wake up. He's coming. And we don't want to miss it. And we're not going to be saved just because we're sitting in church. And what about walking through this world looking around? There are times I have to leave a store or a restaurant pastor and go to my car because something comes up in my chest that I can't stop and I can't swallow because I'm so grieved when I look around at a world that's going to hell. When will it get a hold of us? The church will be full then. There'll be standing room only after Jesus comes. But his presence will have departed. There will be no salvation then. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.